Well, good morning. Breakfast at the Broker every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. We have another special guest. And now, by way of Palm Beach County, Florida, she is the founder and lead admissions consultant of Enlightened Emissions. She graduated with her MBA at Columbia Business School and undergrad at UNC Chapel Hill. She's a college admissions advisor, essay brainstormer, and resume editor. She's a mother, dog lover. She loves glamping and watching her son's hockey game. She is Jody Furman. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. So, good morning. Good morning. How are you? So, there's a uh, you know, there's a few colleges in uh, in uh, Florida, just and uh, just a few of them. And you know, it, it's funny because when you know when I was going to high school and whatever, and thinking about college, you know, it certainly wasn't the uh, competitive culture that it is today. Tell us a little bit about like, you know, I mean, you've come across a lot of uh, high school seniors or even, you know, people that high school sophomores that are starting to think about colleges and which, you know, which placement and curriculum to take and and such. Uh, Give us a little bit of background of, um, you know, what they're looking for. Absolutely. And things have definitely changed. I know you and I are literally the exact same age. Uh, You know, we used to use typewriters. Things have changed and evolved. Really, there's has to be a balance and ultimately, depending on where you want to go, you know, and that pathway is going to be dictated by, are you looking at a school that accepts the largest percentage of their applicants? Are you looking at a school that rejects 97, 98% and everything in between? So making sure that there's a balance and that there's, you know, looking at your math, their GPA, SATs, when to take those. And those are still required in the state of Florida. We're the only public school system that still never did go test optional, which test optional is a little bit of a misnomer. Um, And the other thing is, is making sure that you have a point of view. Right. And something that you're exploring. So what worked when we were kids, which was be well-rounded, join the <laughs> National Honor Society. Those are not bad things. But if you're, especially if you're looking at the most selective schools in the country or frankly in our state, you not don't really want to be well-rounded. You want to be pointy, egg-shaped, if you would, instead of well-rounded. You want to have an area of interest that you're exploring which both gives you an opportunity to really explore your interests and kind of have this great dress rehearsal instead of saying, I like animals. Maybe I want to be a veterinarian. Those are two different things. Um, It really gives you an opportunity to explore your interests, but it doesn't need to be, you don't need to have a 4.0 unweighted and a 6.0 weighted and a 1600 to get into a school. I mean, it helps, but it's not the only thing. And it's not the, the only thing that you need to be doing either. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we toured the colleges and we toured, um, we toured uh, UF and FSU and UCF and, you know, and I've talked about it before, but like, it's funny how certain colleges have great, amazing tour guides Oh yeah, and others are just really terrible. Oh, and I was absolutely. shocked because, um, you know, uh, I mean, I visited those schools before, but you know, way back when, and when you're bringing your daughter up at that's uh, the UF and FSU, you know, you have a preconceived notion of like how this is going to be. And, you know, we were all excited about UF and we get to the tour and the tour was just awful. Yeah. Like, they're like, we don't care if you come or don't. 
Like, like total, like <laughs> elitist, uh, you know, kind of thing. That can happen. Yeah. Ironically, my daughter actually, as I just mentioned, is uh, an SAO at UF and is will be giving tours. So hopefully that's not the impression she leaves. <laughs> uh, it's but crazy, no, though. it's true. And I also say this, I was a tour guide. And ultimately, I don't know when I went to UNC, I don't know that we were told basically to sell the school, but usually it is somewhat self-selecting. And obviously they're choosing people who typically are more dynamic and more engaging and, you know, steadily sell the school. That said, I, you know, certainly as somebody who has done literally thousands of college tours, it's amazing what the difference can be of a great tour guide. There may be a school that you're like, yeah, this is not really my vibe. This is not really what I want. And you meet a person who's the tour guide and you engage with them and they make you really excited about it. And obviously the opposite can happen. And I think that what the take best takeaway from that is, is that even in a school that you might have preconceived notions about that you don't think is a good match, Let's use UF for an example, 35,000 students, even if you only like 1% of the students on campus, 350 people, (laughs) you know, you can't really have meaningful relationships and interactions with 350 people. So it does give you kind of an idea that um, fit while very, very important is probably a lot easier to find than we think. You don't need to like everybody. You just need to like somebody. Right, right. So, uh, I mean, I remember my tour. So I went to University of Alabama and, uh, and we did the whole tour thing and we went to like seven different schools and we get to University of Alabama and there's this five foot ten blonde, gorgeous, drop dead Southern Belle that took us around and I like gawked the whole way and never saw her after that, by the way. And I'm like, I'm going to this school. The, the people are beautiful. The, everything's beautiful. And, yeah. and then, you know, it's, it's, but it, it's funny how the tour, because it's your first impression. Oh, absolutely. And so you go there and then, and then you got to take that emotion out of it. Right. Cause you know, the tour is not everything. It's actually very little yes. um, to do with anything. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, I think you have to maybe dive a little bit deeper into the schools, maybe, you know, decide whether you want a large school or a small school or decide whether you want, you know, um, you know, a school that's going to be good at um, whatever your major may be, even though you're going to change it at some point anyway. 80% of students do. Yeah, I call it the Goldilocksing. You know, this is too big. This is too small. This is too urban. This isn't urban enough. So I think that a lot of it does start with research, you know, to see if the, do the academics work, do the finances work? Because if those don't work, the rest of it doesn't really matter. Um, and Alabama is a great opportunity also because it is very generous with merit. Um, it's a school that a lot of students are going to. They actually have the most national merit finalists on campus other than UF, mainly because of their generosity you know, towards them. But no, I think that visiting matters. And you do, though, have to kind of tease out you know, is that gorgeous girl going to be with you in every single class? Probably not. Like you said, you never saw her again, but is it not just the buildings, like the buildings, the beauty of the buildings can absolutely impact you. I mean, for myself, I visited UNC before I attended the summer where it was just a desolate, no one was there. And when I happened to go back, it was the week that the cherry blossoms all bloom. I mean, it was like literally like a storybook. Exactly. You know, was it the best and perfect place for me to attend? Yeah. I mean, I have no regrets, but was I absolutely influenced by the gorgeous, you know, the beauty of it? They had been, I was a big basketball fan. Um, you know, that's kind of how I started looking at them. Were those the best reasons to choose a school? Maybe not. I mean, academically it was excellent at the time. It was extraordinarily affordable, even at a state. Um, 
a little bit different now, but yeah, a lot not, of things are so different now anymore. too. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it, it, you know, the college selection process puts so much pressure on these kids, Does. And, you know, and these kids are, you know, constantly looking at their, their school rank and their, you know, their curriculum. Well, you know, I need to take AP Calc and AP Physics because if I don't, then you know, yep. my you know my rigor is not going to be, uh, you know, looked upon as high or whatever. And you know, and I mean, I don't know the percentage. I'm sure you, maybe you do, but like, like 95 percent of these people don't take AP. Like, you know, no. they're not in that realm. Like, what do the normal? Because I was. I mean, I was very average student or maybe a three Oh two eight, you know, ish, you know, student, what do they do for colleges? Like there's so many options and that's so critical, you know, and I actually had a conversation yesterday with a student who's currently the valedictorian of a very, very good high school here in South Florida, who was about to lose their valedictorian status because somebody else took seven classes in school and three dual enrollments. So great. They're valedictorian, but they have no time to have a life or do anything else. There's 4,000 schools in this country. The problem is we're all competing for the same 30 to 50. Um, and yeah, that includes, you know, the schools in our state. And honestly, staying in state is such a great option academically. I'm obviously a huge fan of the schools in state. I try to be uh, as egalitarian as possible when it comes to those things because I have a daughter as a gator of a son who might be not a gator. We'll see, you know, in a couple of weeks, the same time that you're, you know, I know that you're waiting on that same phone call or actually same February 24th. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Between four and five typically. Um, so honestly, there are so many options and especially in the state of Florida, the greatest part of it is that every single school in the state public school other than UF has a guaranteed articulation agreement. So if you get your associate's degree from TCC, for instance, you then have an articulated transfer to either FSU or FAMU. There is about six schools that have that same thing. It's called Direct Connect with UCF. USF has it with HCC and a couple other schools. It's called Fuse. So basically, depending on your major, it's a little harder if you're a business major or an engineering major, but there's a lot of majors that are called non-limited access. It could include things like sociology. It can include things like political science, law and society, you name it. And if you graduate with an associate's degree and a 2.0 and you have to you know, follow all the prerequisites, you are then guaranteed admission as a junior transfer to those schools. So for some reason, high school just didn't go the way it needed to. Your GPA is not what you really feel. It's a great reflection of you. You can end up at the same school as the kid who was taking all those APs and killing themselves. And there's nothing wrong, by the way, with rigor and challenge, but there has to be a, a balance in reality. And Alabama, same thing. All 12 public schools here in our state are test required and everybody does well on testing. But the good news is, is that other than the 12 Florida schools, three Georgia schools, Purdue, MIT and Georgetown and UTK, there's no other schools that absolutely require test scores. So for most students, there's going to be a school. It does not necessarily mean that you have to start at a state college or a community college, though that's a great option, as I just discussed. But there are so many schools. There's schools like University of Kansas, which unfortunately beat my Tar Heels last year in the finals. But if you have a 3.0, you are guaranteed, sorry, 3.25 there, you are guaranteed admission. 
to Kansas. If you have a 3.0 unweighted core, you are guaranteed, I don't usually use that word, but guaranteed admission to the University of Arizona. If you have a 4.0 unweighted, you have almost a full tuition ride to uh, University of Arizona. For Alabama, if you have a 3.5 and a 14.20, and they also do have competitive test optional things, you also have essentially almost a guaranteed full tuition. I said full right before I meant full tuition, excuse me. So there's options. It's just, you know, we're all trying to beat each other out for these few destinations, but those are not the only places that where someone could be successful. And frankly, going to those places doesn't guarantee success either. You know, I went to some fantastic schools. Not everybody I graduated with is a mogul. Not everyone wants to be a mogul either. So there's a lot of ways to be successful that don't require you to go to the number one school in the nation. No. And I, I, I love the idea of, you know, if you didn't, you know, maybe apply yourself as much as you should have um, during high school and you still wanted to go to UF or whatever or FSU or whoever, and you went the community college route and then, you know, transferred over, you get the same paper at the end that <laughs> someone that, you know, killed themselves, like you said, in, yep. in high school. It's so. not where you start, it's where you finish. And yep. I'm a little Machiavellian in that way. Right. I mean, I worked with a student a couple of years ago who absolutely did not have a great high school experience for a number of reasons and just kind of gave up and got their GED and then went to TCC, got their associate's degree, took a couple of CLEP classes along the way too. So they actually got it in fewer than two years. They've already graduated from FSU. No one knows. It's number 55 school in the nation. And there's plenty of people who worked a lot harder than this person did in high school who didn't get into FSU. And, you know, even this year with there's a lot of, there's been changes with the new early action round. Uh, these are selective schools. And sometimes I need to recalibrate that for parents who are like, I went to UF and I yeah. barely cracked a thousand and had I, a three, three, right. but that's what it took in the early nineties. Right. Um, not so we, much. We, anymore. we weren't, we weren't as smart apparently. I mean, well, honestly, much, much, much more street smart though. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it helps with a little but, bit of the gray you know, hair. You get a little bit of smart. Yeah. Like, they're so oblivious. Like they walk around like, like in these fogs looking at their phones and doing TikToks. I'm pretty and, sure though, if I met my 17 year old self, I'd probably have the same impression. You know, it's, it's easy. No, to, we were drinking and smoking in the, uh, just yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I even say like, honestly, like the, the reaction I had to Hopefully that student who, <laughs> mind you, right? Um, the reaction I had to that student who was talking about like the kid who was taking like, you know, 15 classes, I graduated near the top of my class and I was national merit, you know, national merit scholar. And I spent a lot of time at the beach and I took my senior year because we did dual enrollment. I took one course at Broward college. I remember for some reason that it was at six o'clock on Wednesdays, but I was out every day by noon. I didn't, you know. I mean, we were competitive, at least we thought we were, but I I definitely think that there needs to be some balance. Maybe what we did was an overreaction and probably not good for skin cancer, but (laughs) at the same token, I, you know, as a parent of three and I look at the, frankly, sheer insanity. And oftentimes we're just, you know, they're spinning their wheels. So my goal when I work with students is also to help them kind of like breathe. Like that's not the only thing. Like I don't, there's not really going to be a massive difference in your outcomes if you're number one or number 10. Now, if you're number 2000 out of 2000, yes, but you still have options. And again, you might end up at the same school as the number one person did. That's not a license to, you know, completely disregard school, but 
there needs to be kind of some health in there too, mental health. And honestly, not that I think that scrolling on TikTok is something that you want to do all day long. I'm not opposed to it every so often though. You know, mm-hmm. like I sometimes like not everything has to be for your college resume. Um, and also sometimes I think that we're still advising students the way that we were advised. I don't know about you, but I was told you need to be in the National Honor Society. Otherwise you'll never go to college. Yeah, I didn't even know what that was when I was in. <laughs> like, what's that? Right. Like, <laughs> but the thing is, is that I'm not nothing wrong with the National Honor Society. It's just it's not good. very. No, because everyone has it, right? It doesn't tell me anything that your resume right. or your transcript doesn't and, do. And I don't mean everyone, but anyone no. that's vying for those schools are members of the, the National Honor Society. top 10% of you know, every school so, in the nation uh, is in the National Honor right. Society. I'm not, I don't think Harvard's like, <gasps> The National Honor right. Society. We've never seen, you know, what they're looking for truly is. Maybe you're an officer or something, even that, I don't know. Not so I much. mean, honestly, yeah, it depends. It really yeah. depends on like where you're trying to go. So as selective as some of the schools in the state are, I mean, yeah, being well-rounded and being in a, a let me be really clear. Being an involved citizen in your school, in your community is a, always a good thing. So I'm not bashing that as an idea, but rather than spending, you know, a couple hours in a month or, or even a week in a meeting and sweeping out, you know, West Boca hospitals, uh, you know, parking lot, spend that time doing something you're passionate about. Maybe you're passionate about the ocean, go spend some time and clean the beach instead. You're then, and they, especially if you're an environmental science major or an environmental engineering major, like that's something that's more articulated towards your interest. And that is something that's maybe not only on your resume, it's not like no one else has ever thought of doing those things, but it's something that's a lot more interesting. You know, imagine. It's like like telling your story and connecting the dots so that you can actually lead them down that path to show how well-rounded and how maybe passionate about something, you you know, that is important to you. Absolutely. And that's the thing is that, you know, imagine being an admissions officer at any of the schools, FSU, UF, and it's like, oh, great. Another kid who's done the same thing. It's like, (laughs) they look like everybody else. And if you look like everybody else, you're likely to get everybody else's results, which might be fine at a school that accepts 50, 60, 70, 80, 90%. But when you're looking at MIT or Harvard or Stanford, and I have students at all those places, you know, they are looking for not just exceptional bright kids, but they're looking for kids who've done some exceptional things, which is ridiculous because I went to one of the undergraduate, best business schools undergraduate in the country. And my only business experience at that time was filing papers at my dad's office. (laughs) You know, now they're like, so how many people do you employ? You have, oh, you're on TikTok. How many followers, how many millions do you have? You know, are you traded? Oh, you're only traded on the NASDAQ, not the NYSE. Like it's, it has gone mad. Um, But there is some method to that madness. And ultimately, Again, you don't need to go to Harvard or MIT to be successful. There's a lot of other ways. And going to Harvard and MIT does not guarantee success either. Agreed. So, um, you know, it's funny. These colleges, you know, are really, really well. They have a great or they do a great job in marketing. Yes. So, like, the new thing that I kept hearing on the, our tours is, we do a holistic approach to, uh, you know, to admissions and whatever. And, you know, and that just means that they look at everything and whether you're well-rounded and, you know, like we talked about telling your story, um, about the essays, right? So, um, telling your story during those essays and being kind of daring to be a little bit different Mm -hmm. is uh, really important. 
Maybe a couple tips um, on essay writing for people that are listening. Sure. First of all, I think that there's kind of these kind of preconceived notions or misconception that you have to have like a tragedy that you've overcome. Thankfully, most 17 year olds have not had, thankfully, tragedies. Really, the only rules that I have for essays is that there are no rules other than you need to be yourself and authentic. And I think a lot of times what students try to do is they get a little meta. And what I mean by that is like, I think I know who I am, but who do they want me to be? And who do I think I think that they think that, you know, you can get really in your own head. The thing is, is that sometimes the best essay is going to be kind of somewhere between a short story and a diary entry or a letter to your good friend. The other thing I think that people sometimes um, mistakenly do is that they talk about somebody else. They might really admire their grandparent or their sibling or their parent or somebody that their mentor. The thing is, is that that person is not who they want to know about. They want to know about the student. So making sure that you're comfortable, you know, really using your own voice, being a little vulnerable. You don't need to be perfect. You know, like I think showing some vulnerability, even a little bit of ugliness can be it. Um, and certainly if you have unfortunately had some sort of setback or something else, you really want to focus on the comeback. What are you doing? How has it kind of made you who you are, the resiliency? There's no rules though. Like you don't have to have, you know, there's not a structure. The only rule is it does have to be 650 words or fewer when you're done. Right. It doesn't start there. And oftentimes, you know, brainstorming and that kind of intentionality is where we spend our time. And if you choose the right topic and the right treatment, kind of writes itself. And that's very easy for me to say because yeah. I haven't had to write one myself in plenty of <laughs> years, but I've certainly overseen a lot of those. And ultimately, I always have to remind students, I'm not writing for you. And actually, I do have an editorial team that helps I have an MBA. You want the ones that have the journalism and the PhDs in English who run writing centers, but it is an editorial process, mm. not a writing process. And it's very obvious when parents start meddling a little bit and start, you know, putting in words that there's two spaces after every period, right. it needs to be the kid's voice. And there's no hard and fast rules. You could talk about what you want to be when you grow up. You could talk about why you like dandelions. You could talk about, you know, as an experience that you had that really changed you. It doesn't have to be a laundry list of what you've already shared through your activities list, through your resume. Um, but it can take a little bit of time, but it doesn't need to take the overabundance of time. It's a page and a quarter, single space, 650 words, five paragraphs, get it done. Awesome. So um, changing topics because <clears throat> off, <clears throat> excuse me, um, off air, we, uh, you mentioned something that uh, intrigued me because being a realtor and a broker, mm -hmm. I always ask, you know, a few questions at, at the end and um, you're uh, in the, you said in the market or you're, uh, or you're, you're looking to purchase a house or whatnot. Yep. Are, are you using a realtor? Yes. And what makes a good realtor in your mind? Um, I think something, I think that most things in service industries, and I consider myself in the service industry is listening. And that's not always the easiest thing. And ultimately kind of allowing the process to kind of, you know, take on in his organic form. And it's not a one size fits all. And I think that listening really helps to inform what somebody's looking for. Are they looking for data? Are they looking for emotion? What's their, you know, the things that are most important to them? So same thing that I asked of my students or the parents, like, are we looking for a certain price that we can't exceed? Are we looking for a prestige? Are we looking for, what are we looking for? You know, specific academics. So it might be for some people, obviously schools. 
are going to be a big thing. It might be the size. There's some things that you can change and that you can't change. So like anything else, there's nothing that's perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect home. There's no such thing as a perfect university, but making sure that you help people kind of discover things that maybe they wanted to discover it otherwise, but also making sure that you're listening to their hard and fast limits. And how did you choose your realtor? I've actually known my realtor for almost 20 years. So oh, she's become awesome. a close, you know, a family friend. I actually met her when my in-laws were looking for a place um, when I was pregnant with my now almost 18 year old. So I've known her for a good long time and she helped us, you know, sell our previous home. We, as I mentioned, we had left Florida um, for eight very long, very cold years in Minnesota. <laughs> very happy to be back, especially today. But when you can't, you it's can't watch your son's hockey games in, uh, in Florida. No, not no, as many. <laughs> you know, not as many. There's still ice rinks here. Um, there's a couple more in Minnesota. Yeah. We actually lived within walking distance of the, of the ice rink where he played his high school hockey and also her association. Awesome. So I definitely miss, uh, I miss that a little bit, but I will take this weather any day of the week. Oh, <laughs> it's awesome. like 13 degrees below zero right now at where I live previously. And that is, I grew up here. I like flip-flops. You think there's a difference between um, like the realtor you chose and other realtors? Like as far as, you know, have you come into contact with realtors that, you know, um, you know, don't fit your style or, 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 you know, maybe they're professional and some are less professional or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that there has to be kind of a, a understanding of, you know, like just basic knowledge in terms of like what's going on in the market. Like right now in Palm Beach County specifically, you know, again, my focus is almost always going to be on schools with a brand new high school opening up first one in I think 17 years. There's been a lot of changes. So knowing, you know, what am I getting? Like, am I, you know, am I likely to be switched from an A school to a D school or am I going from a D school to an A school? So, you know, understanding that. And also I think that understanding the way that somebody needs to be communicated with, you know, we were really clear when we came down in um, August, when we were moving back, we're currently renting because we were probably going to end up building and one of the things, you know, uh, one of my good friends whose father is a very big builder, she's like, she knows that you're not buying yet. And I said, well, first of all, A, I might be, you know, because certainly even though we were thinking of renting, that was certainly, you know, something that we had in mind. But just, I think, just transparent communication. I think when you're talking about professional relationships and personal relationships and certainly meeting, you know, realtors through, you know, either when I'm looking at houses with my realtor or going to open houses and making sure that they know that I'm represented by a realtor. Um, you know, you see different styles and some places people are much more laid back, which may not work completely for me. And some people are much more aggressive and in your face. And even though I'm a fifth generation New Yorker, um, not necessarily my style. I think that, like I said, you just need to kind of meet people where they are. And I think that that goes for personal relationships as well. Love it. Love it. So I always end the uh, podcast on two questions. Sure. One is what's your favorite streaming series of all time, like uh, Netflix or Hulu's, whatever um, shows there might be. And um, what are you currently watching? Gotcha. I haven't been watching a lot lately <laughs> because I'm kind of in my, you know, my hex season um, or H-E double hockey stick season because it's, you know, everything has kind of been launching. Um, I really like some of the, I've actually rewatched The Sopranos. Mm -hmm. I've rewatched uh, 
Sons of Anarchy. So I don't really know that there's necessarily a theme going on. Um, really, really enjoy those. And honestly, I like Law and Order, which is great because there's about 7,000 of them to choose from, you know, yeah. but I think sometimes keeps I like the kind of like the, the pattern, you know, at least it keeps me. But I will be honest and say I have not had any time to watch TV, but I'm very much looking forward to having a little bit more free time in a couple of weeks. So I, I you know, it, it's funny in our our society and our different culture and, and, and whatnot, you know, um, everything seems to be politically correct. And I, I started watching, I didn't finish it cause it was, uh, it was late at night, but there's a, a movie called you people mm-hmm. and it's, uh, with Eddie Murphy and a few other people. And, and it's really just wrong. Like it's like p- politically incorrect. And, um, you know, it talks about race and all those other, you know, things that controversial topics and whatnot. So it, it, and it's really funny. Yeah. Um, you know, the parts that I saw. So, uh, it's, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to finish it, but, uh, I think I would recommend it just on the sense of it was light and funny and like not what you would expect that you could air in this today's society. Yeah. So it was cool. So thank you so much. Where can we find you? You can find me online at enlightenedadmissions.com. I also have a podcast that should be dropping awesome. in the next couple of days. It's going to be called College Smart Start, um, and it's powered by Enlightened Admissions and obviously hosted by me. Awesome. You can also find me on Facebook. I also run a Facebook group with College Found and to me, College uh, college found a college bound Florida that has over 6,000, I think 6,200, mostly parents who are looking specifically in the state of Florida. Cause there's so much nuance yeah. to our Florida system. So buy me online. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Jody. Uh, this was a pleasure. Uh, hopefully, uh, viewers our viewers and viewers and, uh, <laughs> and listeners, um, you know, learned a little bit about, you know, essay writing, giving tips on essay writing, um, that there are colleges for everyone. It's not just, um, specifically to these elite rigorous students. Um, and communication is important, uh, to be able to tell your story during those essays. And then when, uh, you're talking about a realtor and being, um, you know, what makes a good realtor, it's about, you know, communicating where you want to be communicated and how you want to be communicated. And, you know, you obviously have to know, like, and trust and have some knowledge and expertise. Um, but it is relationship building just like any other service industry. So thank you so much. Breakfast is the broker every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m.